Welcome to the Chapter Podcast. My name is Vinny Dangerfield, entrepreneur and transformational wellness coach. Each week, I will share with you lessons I've learned as a founding president to my fraternity and as an active alumnus, along with life experiences from myself and guests. My mission is to create unconditional support and unity across every organization with each member and professional. Together, we can transform the culture of Greek life and connect every generation of leaders. Now, let our next chapter begin. Welcome back, my friend, to the next episode of the Chapter Podcast. I'm your host, Vinny Dangerfield, and with me today is my special guest, Drew Murray. He is a world-class professional magician, entrepreneur, and resident performer at Hotel Levesque in downtown Columbus. His clients have included Facebook, Marriott, Wendy's, the FBI, and Abercrombie & Fitch, just to name a few. He is a graduate of the Ohio State University a brother of Sigma Alpha Epsilon, and currently resides right here in Columbus, Ohio, with his fiancée, Kelly, and their bulldog named none other than Merlin. Drew, I'm so grateful to call you a dear friend and brother of mine. Thank you so much for being on the show. How are you, my man? I'm good, thank you. And you should know, I didn't actually pick the name Merlin. That was his name when I got him. No kidding. Yeah, I didn't didn't know his name before I decided I wanted him. No way. That's awesome. See, it was always meant to be. Meant to be. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, hey, thanks so much for hopping on here, man. Uh, Super excited to kind of dive into, you know, everything that, you know, you've experienced and uh, created in your life thus far, you know, not only in undergrad, uh, but then everything that's really led up to your professional career. Sure. So uh, real quick, why don't you go ahead and uh, share with everybody a little bit of your background, you know, not not necessarily from the beginning, uh, but just maybe some of those key points for us. Yeah, let me, uh, let me just grab the biography. I'll start on page one. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, my background. So I'll give you the 15-second version. I'm a professional magician. I've worked for corporate events uh, around the country. And I have a show at Hotel Levesque that we do for about 40 people. Done that every month uh, starting last year in February 2019. Live in Columbus. Uh, Columbus is a great place to live. I live here with my fiance and our dog Merlin and our cat Tommy. Uh, and that's that's kind of everything in a nutshell. So Nice. Nice. So uh, we have to kind of give kudos to one of our mutual friends and, and more, more uh, mutual friend uh, that just he he's he's almost like a magician in 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 the sense of like what he does professionally right. as well. Uh, but Nick Francis, you know, he's a uh, digital marketer uh, entrepreneur as well. And so he and I got connected a while ago, almost three years ago. And then sure enough, I was working in his office, and then you and I just got connected and randomly started chatting. And then turned out that we were in the same organization of Sigma Alpha Epsilon. Uh, back in our undergraduate careers, and we didn't even know. Yeah. So funny how the universe just brings uh, people together. And we both went to Kent State, and here we are in Columbus. Right. Yeah. Super, super grateful to to have you, man. Um, You know, because a lot of people think of, you know, fraternities as a, uh, you know, a a paid uh, connection, right? You know, a, a paid network uh, that sort of thing. And, sure. you know, they, they never really maybe see the long-term effects of it. So, I mean, why don't you go ahead and share a little bit of, of how you got involved with SAE uh, and then how you kind of leveraged your experience with it? Cause it's pretty unique and I, and I really love it. It's, it's super brilliant. Uh, and it really speaks into why Greek life in general is super beneficial and super valuable. Yeah, I mean, I saw I saw SAE as a way to connect better with the Columbus community, uh, as a way to connect better with the Ohio State University community from a professional standpoint, just because the fraternities were respected at a, at a college level, uh, unlike a smaller club would be. So I was able to join them and then, of course, leveraging what I was doing on stage and as a presenter. And that sort of caught the eye of the university. We were able to just to get things moving a bit faster. Um, both for, you know, the nonprofits and the charities that, that SAE helped out, as well as my own, you know, personal career as well. So, 
yeah, SIE definitely acted as sort of as a bridge to connect me to the university in ways that I would not have been able to otherwise. Right. So um, when you were when you were telling me about you know being able to really leverage because uh, going a little bit further back, how how long have you been in magic? I've never done anything else. So well, you know, six years old, seven years old, I think is when I picked up a deck of cards and got bit by the bug, but. So yeah, like I, 20 years now. Yeah, I'm 27, no, no, 28 now. Yeah, um, over 20 years been rolling and uh, doing magic like this. So it's, I think over the last couple of years, I've definitely put less time into the magic tricks and more time into the business mm-hmm. and into my clients. Early on was the development of a lot of the sleight of hand and the things that you actually see on screen or on stage. But, you know, the last five to 10 years plus have really been dedicated to the business side and using those fundamental pieces that I learned early on to keep the business moving forward. Just like any, any business, you know, you take the early years to, to build your tools, build your repertoire, to refine your skills, to go to school. And then the rest of your career, you're just applying what you know. So Mm -hmm. occasionally, you know, music producers, they're always putting out new content and not to say that I'm not always making new things because I am, but it's not at the level that, that it was early on. And I'm okay with that. I'm totally fine with that. Sure. So did you uh, ever get to practice uh, some of your shows with the, the brothers uh, at your chapter? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Even when I didn't want to necessarily. <laughs> they, have, they were, hang on, let me throw that black. They, uh, yeah, they were asking all the time to see magic. Sometimes I just wanted to hang out. Right. Right. I guess that's what happens when you're when you're a magician. I will, I will say though, an interesting thing that I've thought over the last couple of years, if you meet someone at a restaurant and you ask them what they do for a living and they say that they are a brain surgeon or a realtor or uh, you know, a librarian, they're not asked to prove it in that moment. Nobody is asked to prove their career. <laughs> unless such you a good point. Are a performer uh, and do something like, like, you know, what I do, which I'm, grateful to be able to do it but it's interesting comparing when I'm in group settings and everyone's sort of talking about their different roles as the conversation gets going that way uh what do you do you're an anesthesiologist okay put me to sleep right now <laughs> prove it prove it but if you tell someone a you're a magician point. you better be able to pull a quarter out of their ear otherwise they don't believe you right I I don't really know how to describe that phenomenon but that's that's the reality that I face almost any time we go out that's such a good point man I I've actually Ask a realtor to prove to you that they're right. Next time you meet somebody, yeah. You know what? I, I feel like the other per, the other the other person uh, who gets kind of that same sort of experience are comedians. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's um, harder though. A comedian can't tell a joke for right. one. <laughs> right. Right. I I've also gotten it a lot too. You know, whenever I would explain like, oh, you know, I'm transformational wellness coach, and they're like, okay, well, first off, what is that? And then I'm like, okay, it's a you know basically personal training you know they're like oh yeah. let me see your muscles i'm like that that has no <laughs> correlation i mean it, there there is but there's no yeah. correlation in competency of like the bigger the muscle the better the personal trainer sure of course it does not work like that at all so i totally there's, plenty, plenty, there's plenty of people that look like they're in good shape but they're they're not really in good yeah, shape i would not i would not want to train with them <laughs> oh man that's funny so uh you know going back a little bit still to you know your your experience in undergrad and everything and, you know, leveraging that networking and, and sort of thing. Uh, you were sharing with me the other day of how you saw the experience with the brotherhood completely different than most other people. Could you share a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure how much you'll have to edit here, but I mean, I don't know how much that they'll agree with. I, as I told you, I wrote off SAE as a, as a marketing expense. So my good. taxes. Because that's what it was, uh, just just like any other networking type of, of club or any other meeting, I saw it as a way to, again, connect to the university and connect to other organizations. So that was that was really my goal going into it. I mean, if I, if I made friends along the way, great, but I was under the assumption that I can make friends anywhere I want to because of the mutual connections that we already have and, and you know, values and all those things. I, for me, SAE as an organization was something that was already established in there, and it wasn't sort of this organic um, 
theory and, and you know, cultural value that I came up with or that, that I was formulated into because of just life. So I, I was less intrigued by that artificial sort of man-made mm. anchor. I wanted something that was a bit more organic. I mean, that's how I look at all, all friendships really. Sure. Uh, that's pretty deep thinking, but that's, that's the thought there. So I, I really did look at it just as a, as a business networking um, opportunity. Most people don't see it that way. Most right. people see it as, as a social club, as a way to, you know, do a bit of community work. Um, uh, and of course, as, as a place to live in some cases, people live in the houses and, you know, take full advantage of, of Greek life from A to Z. That, that, wasn't, that wasn't for me. And I was pressured at some points to live in the house. That didn't make sense for my, my current lifestyle. You know, I was traveling a lot with, with work. Of course, I was at school. Um, I liked having a small group of, of guys from high school that I lived with. That was just something that I enjoyed. I didn't, I didn't feel just because I was an SAE that meant I had to move into a house with 30 people. In right. fact, I was the polar opposite of that. And I hate conforming, absolutely hate conforming. So the more that that got pushed on me, the further I pushed away from it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally respect that, man. I, I think, um, you know, to witness and experience, you know, several aspects of the brotherhood, you know, basically yeah. for me as, as a colony member, you know, I wasn't even a part of the actual brotherhood fully right. uh, until the very end once we got chartered, you know, so um, I totally understand first off that everybody's intentions are completely different, right? Like I, I yeah. totally and there's not a way or a wrong way. I mean, my, my approach was wrong if I had different intentions, but I didn't have different intentions. I had intentions that were, that were right for me. My approach sort of, sort of fit that. Right. And I think there's a ton of value also in what you're sharing as well, you know, regarding, uh, any sort of pressure from other people, you know, uh, honestly, at the end of the day, we shouldn't be pressuring anybody, uh, to, you know, have one experience over the other or whatever we should just be uh an unconditional support to them you know being being yeah. as as you and i know uh in the true gentleman creed being our brother's keeper you know so that looks completely different but at the end of the day uh we just want to support one another based on whatever their vision their mission their purpose goals might be uh so i, I really respect that man um when you're talking about though to the the point of having organic relationships. I mean, everybody kind of hears that term thrown around very often, you know? Um, yeah, so you... I'll elaborate what I mean. Yeah. Um, if I'm told to uh, go to a volunteer city cleanup and make three friends, that's, that's a bit of a jump for me. I mean, mm -hmm. what, what are we talking about friends? Do you want me to go to a volunteer cleanup hosted by the city? and work in a group of three other people? Sure, great, but I don't want an outside organization to go force me to have a long-term relationship with somebody. Uh, and I, I'm not saying that Greek life does that by any means. I realize that's more often than not a product of being in a relationship that close with so many people on a you know weekly or um, several days a week sort of basis, because that's just what happens, what happens in college. What I didn't like was some of the internal members when they would sort of push people away that didn't understand or didn't think that um, they weren't all there just to have the five groomsmen for their wedding. You know, I felt that there were some people that looked down on others. If you didn't immediately say, these are the guys that are going to be in my wedding. Mm -hmm. I barely know these people just because I've been around them for a year and a half. Doesn't mean that I want them to be in my wedding. Mm -hmm. I mean, nobody from, from colleges, um, Nobody from the Greek life is in my wedding. That's just that's the reality of it. Yeah. So talk to a couple of them, sure. But again, that's that's an outs organization sort of forcing uh, a relationship. Yeah. That's that's what I that's what I meant with that. But yeah, organic organic relationships. I mean, it's you know how like you and I met. We met through Nick. There was nothing saying that we had to be friends. We sort of had the same you know outlook on on business and and the value we want to bring to our clients. And that's, that's kind of how I think that, that friendships, strong friendships can form yeah. um, just through equal values. But I didn't know your background, you know, it was, it was sort of just through the initial conversations that we had. Yeah. And it wasn't until like months of knowing each other that we finally yeah. figured that out, which yeah. is hilarious. Um, and I really love the, 
the aspect of, of bringing organic uh, intentions into every relationship. Cause I feel like, you know, so personally I've, you know, I, with my girlfriend have attended your, your resident show at Hotel Levesque and yeah. every single time, like you were talking about earlier, you know, you, you might have the same show, but it seems so organic every single time you do it. Like it literally feels like you've done it for the first time and it's so natural and, and like it's, it's completely new for you. You know, how, how do you bring that sort of energy, that sort of intention even into your, into your show and, and how you even communicate with people? Well, I, I'll elaborate. I'll adjust that answer a little bit so that sure. it can bring value to people that are watching. Um, I would say, how do you make every sort of interaction with your clients? Maybe you're giving the same proposal that you've given over and over and over again, or maybe you are uh, presenting the same the same product. Maybe you're executing the same service. Maybe it's someone that you know cleans houses, or they are uh, a trainer, or a dog groomer, whatever it may be. How do you give that same sense of life to every time that you execute that product. I think it comes down to, do you, are you really doing what you love? Mm. This is one. Um, and I mean, over the last couple of weeks, you know, I haven't made any money doing, doing magic, but I still love it just as much as I do when I'm on stage getting paid. So that's, that's a huge component. You got to make sure you, you find something that you would do whether you weren't getting paid for it or not. And then of course the conversation comes into how much to charge and make sure that you're actually being smart, but that's aside from the fact. Um, but in terms of the energy and, and making it fresh and, and new every time, I think you have to really understand why are those people there? You know, why did someone hire you? Or in my case, why did someone come to the show? If I can, in a sense, get in the heads of all the audience members, uh, or if you can get in the head of your, of your client or your customer or that person that brings their dog to you every two or three months and really understand why they want you to do that thing, then I think it, it, and if you genuinely care about the reason too, then I think it sort of forces you indirectly to do a good job and to have a smile on your face the entire time. Um, I see a lot of people that fall into the pattern of not really appreciating their clients and realizing these are the people that pay their bills. Mm. Money aside, that's, you know, that's important, but the reality is why do we do what we do? It's to bring value to somebody else and to make sure that you know, we are making their life better in a small way or in a large way. So that's how I look at the audiences. Every single person that comes with that, they're not paying to see a guy do something that he's done 5,000 times. They're paying to see something that feels new. Doesn't mean it, doesn't, it shouldn't be professional because it should be professional. They want to see a, a product that's been refined, but they also don't want to, they don't want to watch a, a replay, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. If I wanted them to watch a replay, we would just play a video for them. Um, so true. It needs to feel as if I'm performing for them. And I, I really genuinely think that I am almost every time. Am I perfect? No, of course not. But every, every show I try to treat as a brand new experience for those people because it is. Mm -hmm. um, there was a wonderful thing that I heard about a, a magician, uh, uh, Thurston, who back in, I think, early 1900s, mid 1900s, he would, before he'd walk on stage, he would stand back behind the curtain. And if there were 400 people, in the audience, sold out show. Before the show would start, he would say to himself backstage, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you 400 times or 500 mm. times or wow. 600 times. And then only, and then after he said that, the number of times that the number of people there were, then they would open the curtains and he would begin. And that was his, his little ritual of really delivering to every single person that came to see. So mm. yeah, I mean, think about it in terms of business before you walk into a training session or before you walk in to pitch that proposal or do that service that you've done 20 times, remembering why they really came to see you. And if your product is adding value to their life, you should be thrilled to give it to them. Mm. If you're not bringing value to their life, you should probably stop <laughs> and find someone right. that you can actually help. Yeah. That's so powerful, man. I mean, when you're talking about all of this now, it makes me just think of, you know, doing something that's, authentic and yeah. genuine and sincere and honest and real to you, you know, because if you're trying to convince basically for the lack of better terms or enroll or inspire somebody, if you don't even believe in what you're doing, you're sure as heck not going to entertain them or, or convince them to move forward with your services or your product. Right. Yeah, so that's I, so powerful. I hate, 
I hate the word convince when it comes to a, a pitch or a proposal. Sure. Um, I mean, it should be, it should be a parallel stream of, of value and benefit for both sides. Mm-hmm. A, a proposal I think is, is nothing more than a collaboration if, if done properly. Mm-hmm. There's, there's nothing wrong with charging for your services, of course, or having exchange of, of um, other benefits because you're able to offer something to somebody. What I don't like is when someone takes advantage of a situation, like the situation that we're in right now, or mm-hmm. you know, any sort of hurricane situation, you see prices of water go up, which is ridiculous and should be, should be outlawed. But um, I think I'll say this as well. It's, it's interesting to be able to put yourself in a position where you can say no, because you know that either A, you don't stand for the values that those people have, or the B, you can't truly add value to their business. And I'll give you know two examples. I've met with clients before, with potential clients that I've been introduced to before by mutual friends, because that's how, how I sort of approach my business. I'll have a lunch meeting or a coffee with someone or even a phone call. And they say, great, uh, send me a proposal, send me you know, some open dates for how you can help us out. I, sometimes I don't, I just wow. don't like people. You know, I don't, I don't think, that I can bring them value. Um, but in a couple of cases, there've been times that I say, this person doesn't really enjoy their business. They don't treat their employees well. They don't treat their customers well. I hear how they talk about their customers behind the scenes. How are they gonna talk about me behind the scenes? Or are they really going to take full advantage of what I'm gonna bring to them? And I would rather not spend my time with that. And then in other cases, I've had people call me before and say, hey, we wanna hire you for uh, this thing we have on this day in this state. I say, you don't need me. I can't, I can't bring you as much value as doing this would for your organization. In fact, you don't even need to vent on that day. Put together a video, make an email blast. That's going to achieve what you guys need to achieve. And by me doing that, I'm actually helping them more than just going in and taking their money from that event. Mm. Yeah, so, and I, that, I love that. That's, yeah, I respect to, that so much. You have to be honest with yourself because at the end of the day, if, if you're going to put yourself out there, if you're going to put your service out there, um, your product out there, whatever it may be, especially for yeah. entrepreneurs, people that are watching this, you're going to be far better in the long run by doing honest work than trying to grab every dollar you can get. Because mm. um, the reality is too, the people that don't value what you do, they might be paying you for it initially, which makes you think they value it. But if they really don't value what you do, those are the people that A, are not going to be able to really refer you to somebody else because they didn't care about your product in the first place. Or B, if there's any sort of flaw, they're going to give you a negative review. Whereas if you're working with people that you sort of mesh with, um, they're going to be more likely to be understanding if you were a little late or maybe, you know, you had a delay in your delivery, something else that happens because of human error. Those people are going to be more accommodating if you're able to make a connection with somebody like that. Right. Yeah, I totally agree, man. Um, I mean, I've, I've definitely had my fair share in, in several facets uh, of exactly what you're talking about. You know, one being that, you know, they're for clients, you know, in, in the fitness and wellness industry, you know, some of them, I just honestly can't work with, you know, Um, either they, they're not ready, you know, which is totally a a real thing uh, or they are at a completely different level skill set or, or a, um, place in their fitness journey that honestly is, is past mine or, or just outside my realm, right? Like I'm not a triathlete, so I'm not going to say, okay, cool. I'm going to train all the triathlon athletes, right? Like the, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, but what you can do is you can redirect them and you can still help them right. by referring them to someone who can. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I do a lot. You know, yeah. if I can help somebody, I give them someone who can mm. be professional or, or personal help. Yeah. And, and another thing too, to, you know, tie this into some of the under undergraduates listening as well, you know, is that there's this idea or concept that you want everybody to be a part of your organization or that, that it, even on a, a more intimate personal level, like, oh, I, I just want to be in a relationship with everybody or, you know, I, I, I could date this person and that person, whatever, you know, but you, you got to be in, in true alignment and understanding of what you have to bring to the table and what are you honestly looking to receive, you yeah. know? And, and I really love the, uh, the fact that you said that it's, it's not about convincing, it's about collaborating, right? It's creating right. that biggest win-win possible 
Um, and yeah, of course there's a certain level of people need to make that intuitive, intuitive decision of like, yes, I'm committed to working with you. Um, but it's not like a con convincing sort of thing. Like, again, I even explained to my clients, like I can't want your weight loss mm -hmm. more than you want it, you know? Uh, so that's, that's so powerful that you're totally aware of, of how you're navigating those, those working relationships. So Let's think about this too, and, and yeah. you, you mentioned organization, uh, and that made me think, here's, here's an example, sort of a hypothetical example, but if there's an organization that is a private, exclusive, underground club, and you have a membership, uh, you have a nice black metal card that scans you in, right? And it's $5,000 a month for this club. You sometimes you want organizations to grow, right? The, the purpose of a lot of organizations is to get as many members as they can. In this, in this business model, $5,000 a month times as many people as they can get, that's a very profitable business if they were to look at it from that perspective. But an organization like that realizes that they have a cap. If they have too many people flood into their exclusive membership, it's not that exclusive anymore. Mm. So, and then on the flip side okay. of that too, there are people that maybe A, can afford it, or B, they have friends that are in that membership club, but they aren't going to get value from that. What is that providing to their life? You know, maybe bring them into that organization is going to take too much time away from them. And they're already uh, having issues with, with their family or they need to take care of their sick parents, or maybe they travel for work six days a week. And the day of the week that your organization meets is the one day that they have to be home with their family. So that would actually not help them at all. So I think a lot of times organizations that are looking to recruit members need to really think deep down about every single individual person is, and are what we offering, is that going to be most beneficial to them from a very big holistic approach? Maybe, yes, what we do can help them with fitness or can help them with finances, but across their entire life is what we do going to help them. So that's just some food for thought. Um, yeah. I think, I think organizations too much are sucked up into their own purpose and their own values, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but over the long term, we think, need to think about somebody's entire life or right. about their entire lifestyle during that time of their life, you know, is what we're doing taking away from something else that's more important. Mm. So that brings up a, a super important question that I'm, I'm curious to know about is, you know, how do you then just prioritize everything that you want to accomplish your experience in your life personally, you know, not only in business, but, you know, e even right now in, in, in quarantine, you know, how are you kind of prioritizing things now? And then how do you traditionally prioritize things within your business? Yeah. So uh, here's a, a very straightforward sort of short-term approach. And this is something I do a couple times a year. I don't have a, a schedule for it or any reminder app that tells me when just sort of a, a feel, but if I ever get overwhelmed between business and personal and, you know, I have a house, so projects come up at the house. Um, a couple of years ago, I did this maybe five years ago and it was one of the best things. I pulled out three giant sheets of paper, 11 by 17 pieces of paper, took a Sharpie marker and one was business, one was personal and one was everything else. So mm. miscellaneous. Maybe it was a project for a family member or something that wasn't really in my personal life. Cause I, I'm always like a yes guy. People ask me to do something. A lot of times I'll help them with it. That's something I'm trying to be better about, <laughs> but I, I like to help people as much as I can. So I wrote down everything I was thinking about for my business. Not every little bullet point in a category, but if I wanted to create a new website, I would write website. If I wanted to make sure to, to go to this conference, I would write conference. And I had a list of 30 things on there. Um, I think I also had another page too, which was to build and to fix. I had all these things I wanted to build. Personal, I had a list of all these things I wanted to do. Not necessarily long-term goals, but actual concrete, organize the office closet. That was a personal project, right? Family projects, finish that thing for my mom. Um, you know, call my grandpa and tell him about this thing. And by putting everything that was in my head down on four pieces of paper and putting them in my office and sticking them to the wall and just every day knocking two, three, four of those things out, it was the best thing. And it's, it was, that was sort of the ultimate to-do list, right? Mm. I find that when you get something out of your head and couldn't put it on paper, mm. don't think about it anymore. You can go to sleep and not have to let it run around in there. 
Right. So that's a way that I prioritize the day-to-day the -day or maybe the month-to-month -month if you want to think about it like that. Um, but long-term, how do I prioritize my, my business is back to what I was saying before about value. You know, I mm. recognize that what I do, the magic is not important. The magic tricks aren't important. What is important is how many people am I able to help their companies grow? Or if you want to look at a really big picture, how can all of us make the world a better place? Well, myself as one guy, I know I can't do something right here in my lap at my computer that makes the world a better place. I'm not going to build the next Facebook, nor do I want to. I'm not going to find, you know, some cure as, as nice as that would be right now. I'm not, I'm not in that world. But what I can do is I can speak to people, communicate to people pretty well on stage, entertain them along the way. And maybe, just maybe, they will do a little bit better at their job. And maybe their organization or their company will be a little bit better and they will maybe help the world be a little bit better place. And if I can do that for enough people and enough companies, I am sort of indirectly making the world 0.5% better or 1% better over my lifetime. So that's, that's how I think about changing the world is not necessarily being recognized, but it can be just that little bit of a push. You know, how many people would we help that we've sort of pushed the world forward? Wow. So, I, I appreciate that, man. I yeah. totally totally can relate. Um, you know, it's, it's, al it's almost like, um, in the sense that, you know, some people think that, oh, who am I to make some sort of impact? Right. And I think the, yeah. the definition of impact needs to be reinterpreted or, uh, solely, uh, translated into what, what sort of impact do you personally want to make? Right. Like it's not about a comparison or a judgment yeah. or a critical thing. It's just, okay, cool. What, what resources, what tools, what talents do you have and how can you maximize them and mm -hmm. just simply add value, just give, just be in contribution. Uh, you know, there, there's from my experience, there. what's that? You said about the tools and the resources, how can we use mm -hmm. those to bring, to bring right. value? Because yeah, we all are in different worlds. You know, we all have, different access to to people and to into finances and one would argue that you can get anything in life that you want if you work hard enough for it which i also agree with that i think we all can eventually get to the level of some of the top people in all of our fields um that we respect but i think if you look at it from a short-term perspective look at what you have around you right now and are you using all of those things to the fullest you know mm -hmm. are you taking advantage of all the minutes in the day Again, you should rest, but are you, are you really prioritizing your time or are you just scrolling Facebook for four hours? You know, are, are we watching Judge Judy for, for three <laughs> hours of replay? Are we, are we catching the latest, uh, you know, Netflix show and binging that for four days straight, which I've been guilty of that in a couple of cases. So, right. um, but I think, I think big picture for business, people that are out of college or maybe starting something new, look at the resources you have, make sure you're using those to the full advantage. And as you do, you'll get better and you'll work smarter mm. and you'll get recognized by the people that maybe you respect, or you'll get introduced to someone who knows somebody who knows somebody. Mm. So you have to just kind of always keep progressing forward. And, and we're going to have down days. You're going to have days where, you know, you want to just slump around in, in sweatpants. And I'm not one of these guys that's going to tell you, don't waste a minute. You know, it's okay. You can sit down for three minutes, relax <laughs> for, for right. a day. Uh, I read something yesterday and I think it said, uh, oh, actually it was on, you know, Matt Diavella, have you seen his post before? Um, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Minimalism guy. And, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. He's really ramped up his YouTube presence over the last couple of months, but he posted a side by side of a workout and it was Saturday and it showed all the calories he burned and all the steps that he ran and the average heart rate. And then it showed another day. And it was all rest for the entire day. And he said at the top, both of these are, both of these are productive days. Mm. And I appreciated that. You know, one of the days he worked out and burned 1,700 calories and uh, looked like he ran, you know, all over the, the Los Angeles County and got a bunch of work done that day and went to the grocery store and mowed his lawn and did whatever else he did. And then another day he completely rested and probably sat back and watched Netflix. So yeah, both of those, both of those are productive. I'm not sure if that answers your question. Yeah, I mean, well, and I think uh, to, you know, just clarify as to everything that I'm hearing is 
all of these qualities are, are truly based in leadership, right? Yeah. Like leadership starts with your intention and knowing what true value and resources that you have and talents uh, and abilities that you have to be in contribution. And then also understand how can I truly impact these other people's lives? And, you know, at the end of the day too, leaders have to take some rest and recovery. You know, it's just like bodybuilding or, or just like uh, fitness training in general, right? Like we have to take rest days for ourselves. Um, but at, at the end of the day, an effective leader, uh, he or she needs to just be, uh, totally willing to learn. Right. And that's what I'm hearing a, a ton from you, man, is like, and, and I want to acknowledge you personally, you know, I've, I've learned a ton from you, uh, through our friendship, you know, over the years. And, um, you know, it, it's been awesome to hear and see, you know, how you've personally grown as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as a professional, because, you know, not a lot of people are willing to admit growth because sometimes we see growth almost as a, as a negative aspect or something, right? Cause no, no. Uh, it, it's almost like we create this assumption for ourselves sometimes like we've already needed to have arrived. <laughs> we've already needed to have had that epiphany I am moment. 28 years old. I have nothing right. to prove to anybody. <laughs> right. Right. And that, that's a, that's a great point, man. So, I mean, to some of the people out there who might be listening to this is, you know, how can they, uh, basically, you know, strive for their leadership without worrying about what other people are doing or aren't doing. Well, that's exactly it. Um, you will, you will become a great leader for others and for yourself when you really stop caring about how people are measuring you across others. Because if you spend so much time worrying about how you're being compared to others or worrying about, uh, you know, maybe what others think of you, you're just slowing yourself down from, from growing and, and learning in your perspective field. So and I'll say another, I mean, another huge thing about leadership that you mentioned before is not only admitting when you're growing, but admitting when you're, when you're wrong. And I'm not perfect about this all the time, but if I make a mistake, I try to admit it and fix it because it does something really powerful, which creates accountability. If you tell somebody else you messed up, you don't even have to say that you're gonna fix it. By you acknowledging that you messed up in front of somebody else, you sort of have to fix it. Uh, otherwise, it's gonna come back to bite you later. Mm -hmm. And you know that they know that you know it was a bad thing, if that makes sense. Yep. So, yeah. <laughs> totally, totally yeah. understand. And I think, I think it sets a positive uh, example for other people too, especially younger people. If they can see someone admitting fault as soon as it happens or even before it happens, then they're likely going to do the same if they look up to that person. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, I think uh, it's also very often that we put other people on it on an interesting pedestal. And then yeah. um, we almost get upset with them whenever they, you know, even even parents, friends, our, our significant others, right? We sometimes put people up on a pedestal, uh, and we almost set them up to lose automatically, because we have put them on this pedestal and not giving them any sort of grace or forgiveness from the very beginning. Right. It's almost like we expect this perfection. Uh, so, I mean, how, how do you kind of navigate even that, that sense of practice, that sense of grace and forgiveness for yourself? I mean, being even a magician, right? Like I, I don't even want to know how many hours, maybe you do know how many hours you've practiced, but like, how, how do you just continuously, you know, put in the time, the energy, the effort, even though it's, it might feel mundane or it might seem repetitive, that sort of thing. Well, it goes back to what we said a little while ago. I mean, I have to, if I want to honor the value that I'm bringing mm. to my audiences, um, I have to put in the hours, I have to put in the time. And you know, now do I put in hours upon hours doing slides with card tricks? No, I don't. I mean, again, a lot of that stuff was established early on as I got my foundation. Sure. But when it comes to, yeah, I mean, yesterday, the live stream that I did, yep. that was a half an hour live stream on Facebook and it started at seven o'clock. I got there at two o'clock in the afternoon and set up eight lights, which took no time at all. Set up one, one camera and my laptop and then rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed for three hours. 
and ate dinner and then rehearsed some more. Um, that's what I mean about putting in, you know, putting in the time, putting in the, the hours it takes to really show that quality product, not to mention all the time that went in before that, you know, the trips back and forth to the hotel, the trips on the, on the phone, putting together all the graphics. I was probably 15 hours into that whole project right. for a half an hour. For half an hour. <laughs> that I didn't get paid for. So, but, right. you know, that's not what it's about. It was about, for me, recognizing the people that were watching that, they were watching because they are quarantined. They wanted something fun to do with their families. They wanted to forget about being quarantined, which I shouldn't even mention it while saying that. But the purpose of that entire event was, was to make people forget about what's going on and then also to help out the hospitality teams. So I knew that I had to give it 120%. Um, and it's one thing to say you're going to give it 120%. We hear this a lot. I'm sure you, you hear this too. Someone says, yeah, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it all I have. Are you really? Are you really going to? Because in a lot of cases, they don't. They say they're going to, and maybe they give it 70 or they give it 80, but they don't give it everything they had. And I'll admit, did I give it absolutely everything I had? No, I could have went in there at 10 o'clock in the morning. I could have went in there two days before. I could mm -hmm. have, you know, taken the time to adjust a light a little bit uh, to make sure it wasn't quite as bright on my face as I realized watching the stream afterward. So we're never going to achieve perfection, but I think in the moment, we must feel like we're at 100%, if that makes sense. Mm. Can okay. you elaborate on that part, that last bit? Yeah, it's okay to look back at something later and realize what you could have done better. But I think in the moment, we need to feel as if we're giving 100%. Mm. As long as you can go back later and watch and learn um, or reflect on it that way. Yeah. So one, one thing that I've noticed, and, and I'm going to tie all of this in because you know, when, when I've come to your shows and, and even just when you've, you know, uh, had your little tricks played on me or, or with my girlfriend, Linz, uh, you know, I, I feel totally immersed into the present moment with you. Like everything mm -hmm. just funnels in and it, it's like nothing else exists. And I think, you know, based on what you're sharing, you know, through your live show that you had last night, is you, you create total presence through magic. And, and I almost want to say that presence is truly magical, you know, for, for the total connection and relationship that we have with ourselves or with that uh, experience. So how, how do you bring presence and, and that sort of magical experience to kind of everything that you do? You mean in terms of performing directly or in terms of business? Uh, I, I would say both. Um, how do I make the presence tangible? How do I make it known? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Like it, it's palpable. You know what I mean? Like, like every single time, uh, I, I take a step back after one of your, one of your shows or one of your demonstrations, yeah. I'm like, dude, that was amazing. You know? And my, I, I'm like always grinning. I know that every, every single time, like I'm grinning ear to ear, you know? Uh, but, but it's palpable. Like, how do you bring that? sort of an energy maybe to every single day, because, you know, right now, uh, everybody listening, uh, is going through this quarantine and this pandemic in a completely different way, you know? Uh, and a lot of people are totally fixated maybe on the negativity, uh, or on the loss, you know, or the sadness or, or the missing out of something. So how could you, what, what could maybe be some tools that people could, use to bring a new level of presence or you know a, a sense of magic back into their lives okay well i'll go big picture and then i'll give an example of what sure. i think a good, a good tool a good way to test this for yourself uh my solution is i've said it before but you have to genuinely enjoy what you're doing you have mm. to genuinely genuinely from the bottom of your heart really enjoy what it is that you're doing and and sincerely believe that it's giving value to somebody else now i will say that this also kind of comes full circle, meaning preparation and practice, you know, the magic that I've done for you and Lynn's over, over FaceTime or that you've seen at the show, that's gone through so much repetition on my end. And that's gone through so much trial and error uh, to get it to that point. But with that said, I did all that to make sure that it was ready to bring value to somebody else. So I would, I would work on something on my own. I would film it over and over and over again. And I would think watching this, is this something that someone would really enjoy? And it also comes about being aware of your surroundings and your audience. You know, what is something that people would enjoy? I know 
there's magic I could do for you on camera that you could not figure out, but it doesn't mean that it would be enjoyable for you. Mm. It would maybe be uh, a little too hard to follow via camera or the technology. On my end, you would think that there was a certain way I was doing it, even if that wasn't how I was doing it. And it would just add sort of clunk and clutter to the entire process. You've noticed the magic that I've done for you on camera. It's been very quick, very clear. It's also been stuff I know because you and Lindsay are spending a lot of time together right now. I know that you guys value each other. I know that everybody is, is really looking out for the people that are closest to them, especially. Um, and they like laughing with those th that they spend time with. So I made sure to do magic that both of you could have a conversation about during, mm. before, after, that you could both sort of compare notes and laugh and you know each other about. Because it wasn't about me or the cards, it was about the interaction between the two of you. So mm. that, was, that was the root of the magic that I did for you guys you know, over the camera the other day. So it, it comes down to genuinely caring about what you do and really sincerely believing that it's going to add value to somebody else. Yeah. Now, a quick way to test that is do it for free. Do what you do for free. And you will learn very quickly two things. A, do I enjoy doing this? And B, are people enjoying getting this? Now, one could argue people like anything that's free, but I think that people are smart enough now to know what's a waste of their time and what's not, even if it is free. Um, you know, I'm sure that you've seen a million of these like guru marketing courses, free sign up. Now, if we signed up for every free thing that there was, we would be 90 by the time we were done. Right. right. But we don't because we know it's not going to add value to us. Uh, so I, I would test people to take, you know, their product, their idea, their, their service, um, whatever it is that they're offering. And especially if you're new in business, do it for free. And if people take it, they will give you feedback. If they're excited about it, they will tell you. If they hate it, they will tell you. But more importantly, if you really enjoy doing it, and if you really think it's adding value to somebody, you should believe that whether you're getting paid for it or not. So does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, so basically from what I'm hearing from all of that, you know, to, to bring the magic to every single thing that you do to bring the presence is create minimal resistance. Yeah. Almost yeah. in a way, you know, uh, because if, if you're doing something that you legitimately don't enjoy doing, uh, you're going to only be focusing on how much you hate it, which is now going to create more resistance and more animosity judgment, guilt, whatever, comparison, all of the other things that we had been talking about before. And it's going to take you out of being totally focused on um, the task at hand, one, and two, the value or the, the level of contribution that you're bringing to that other person uh, or just sole task alone, right? Like uh, a lot of people gripe and moan and complain about doing the basic things, right? Like they're so focused on I hate doing laundry or I hate doing the dishes or I hate taking my dog out and all these other things. Right. Uh, which now what they could do in the opposite to really appreciate those things is one perspective, you know, is okay. Well, I have laundry to do. I have, uh, dishes to clean. Uh, you know, I have a dog that I can take outside, you know, when other people are totally, lonely in quarantine, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and I, I just really appreciate what you're, what you're sharing because it really puts things into perspective, which is beautiful and, and elegant because everything that you do is based on perspective, right? Like it, it is all about truly showing somebody one thing over here and then showing them what's possible over on the other hand. You know, well, here, so I, you, I think I'll that's really this. wonderful. This is a demonstration I do in my, in my keynotes. Okay. Um, so look at my hand. Yeah. I'll get the whole thing in frame. Tell me, tell me what you see. Uh, five fingers. I mean, describe oh. in, <laughs> in uncomfortable detail what you see. Uh, so I see five elongated fingers uh, stemming from the knuckles with detailed skin and lines. Uh, some calluses, a little bit of uh, calluses, a little bit of uh, scarring, maybe. Yeah. Is that all you see? Mm, sure. You don't see the the mole or the little bit of the freckle there. Okay. You don't Is see that. that 
Yeah, you don't see the wrinkle uh, in the middle of my finger, all the wrinkles? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Yep. You don't see the little bit of the dirt underneath my nail? Mm-hmm. You don't see the other calluses on my thumb, on the, uh, on the nail side of my thumb? No, of course you don't, because you're looking at it from your perspective. You're not looking mm. at it from my perspective. See, I'm able to mm. see the I'm able to see all these wrinkles. I'm able to see the little bit of dirt under the nail. I'm able to see all those things because I'm looking at it from my perspective. So that's, that's a real uh, live example of, of perspective for people. Yeah. You know, so often we're looking at our side or, or our side and we're not looking at, at it from their side and vice versa. Wow. So that's, that's how you can really add value to somebody else's taking this and kind of looking at it like this instead. Mm. I, I really love that man because uh, you know, my experience of you is that you're, you're very self-aware uh, and truly introspective and, you know, very gracious, you know, like you're, you're always open to feedback. I, you know, I, I love when you, you practice uh, your work with me because you're always like, what did you see there? What, did, what was, what was your experience? Like all of that, you know, you're so open and hungry uh, for feedback and everything. And I, I think that's also a, a testament to your leadership, right? Like those are leadership qualities. Uh, so, I mean, how, well, those, how there's two things too. Yeah. That allows me to add more value to you the next mm. time that I perform for you. If I know what you liked or what you didn't like or what I need to work on, I mean, how can I expect to add value to you unless I know? Right. And then again, for my, my clients and we're using value, uh, sort of in a very business sense here. I mean, right. if I know what, if I know what you enjoy, let's just be real. We'll talk about magic tricks. If I know what you enjoy with magic and you say, Hey, I really love that that Oreo thing, and that was so much fun. <laughs> I know, based on the other things that I did for you, that type of visual sort of comical magic is stuff that, that sticks with you. So I would probably do more things like that in the future. Um, I, and I also would know if you told me, hey, that card trick was a little hard to follow. Maybe I would do that for somebody else, but I would slow it down a bit. I would, I would be more descriptive in what the instructions are. So... Yeah. That's, that's how I can add value, not only to you, but to somebody else by asking for, for feedback. Mm -hmm. When, when you're talking about that, all, all I keep thinking about is, you know, how does this translate into every single day of our lives? And it's totally 100% applicable, you know, cause it, it's just like communication. You know, if you're having a, a, a conversation with your significant other, with a friend and, you know, I don't know, let's just say we're working on a project together or you know, we're going even, you and I got to uh, enjoy a bike ride not too long ago, you know, yeah. like just even making sure that, you know, you're clearly and effectively communicating with one another, you know, so you don't run into each other, right? Like on your left, you know, like calling it out ahead. Uh, I mean, all of these things, man, because of feedback and because of perspective, uh, these yeah. tools are 100% applicable uh, to every single thing that we do. And I, I think that's one thing uh, that not a lot of people maybe are practicing even in general is understanding how you do one thing is how you do anything. Yeah, it's not, not true at all. Yeah. What do you, what can you elaborate on that? How you do, how you do one thing is not how you do everything. No, I'm saying that's, that's traditionally, that is the case. You oh, I'm, I miss, I misheard you. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, what I was saying is, the answer to, you know, one solution may not be the answer to oh, sure. solutions because sure. we have that perspective, you know? Sure. Yeah. But behavioral maybe. Right. You know, uh, is if they don't have perspective over in one domain or area of their life, they might not have perspective in the other. Sure. Of course. Sure. Uh, so thank you, man. I appreciate you sharing all of that. So, yeah. uh, I want to respect your time, man. So, you know, in closing, couple things um, for anybody who might have a little bit of fear stepping into maybe a new career right now or stepping into their own business um, or stepping into a relationship or just trying something new, right? Like there's a lot of things that are new right now in our lives, you know, and uh, besides actually the number one fear uh, besides even dying the number one fear is actually um, public speaking, right? Yeah. And you, you do it basically all the time. Yeah. Uh, and so it just mind boggles me that, you know, people would rather die than go and public speak. So 
you know, you, you uh, confront fear often, you know, so in your leadership style, in, in the way that you present yourself and recognizing that there is a lot of fear going on right now. How, how could you recommend, you know, people navigating some of those fears that they might be experiencing or could experience in the future? Well, I think fear is in terms of a new project that you're going to take on or in terms of a relationship. I want to separate the two things because you said sure. fear right now. People having fear right now is, is a real thing, and I don't want to downplay that right. by any means with, with uh, the pandemic going on. But in terms of fear with business or in terms of fear with a new relationship or fear with a project that you're taking on, I, that's good. I think you should have fear because it means mm. that you care. Mm. I, I hate when I don't get nervous going on stage because it means that I don't care. And thankfully it doesn't happen very often, but you know, a couple of years ago, I sort of took a big pivot in my business and, and the clients that I take on and the way that I delivered um, my product to them because before all that, I didn't care enough. I, of course I enjoyed doing what I did, otherwise I wouldn't have done it. But I found myself more often um, just going through the motions. And that's sort of when I had that, that pivot. So I would say if somebody is fearful, good, you should be. That means that you still care. Now that fear should probably go away or subside after you get into the motion of things. If you're not, and I'll again use the, the comparison with a, a performance. You know, if I'm in my first few minutes of a performance on stage and uh, it's just not really meshing or gelling with the audience and I can feel that there's a disconnect there, I have to shift my energy. I have to do something different. Much like a DJ changes the music live mm -hmm. during a set, they can feel the energy of the audience. Uh, they, have to, they have to pivot that way in real time. Mm -hmm. I would say if, if you're presenting something or working with somebody or in a new relationship and after a few weeks or after a few months, um, it's not really going the, the direction that you had hoped, you need to, you know, you need to pivot. And you should always have that, that sense of, of caring what you do doesn't always have to be fear, but especially early on in, in projects, um, you should have a sense of, of fear and stress because, you know, that's what means that you're really in it uh, because mm -hmm. you care. Right. Yeah. I appreciate that, man. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, so you wanted to tell people. No, that, no, no. That's I think it's, I think it's important. No, I, I, I think that's uh, super important. I totally agree. Uh, now, there's, yeah, there's, I there's a difference between being prepared. Um, you, I'll say this. You can be prepared and still have fear. Mm. So, yeah. and when I think about fear, I could, I could set up the, the show at, at Levesque. I'll set that up. I'm completely comfortable setting that up. I know everything's going to go off without a hitch. But I still have a little bit of an edge, a little bit of a stress when I walk into that, that room because... I am fearful maybe that something could happen that that audience wouldn't get the full value from that ticket price that they, that they were spending their time with or bigger picture. They're giving me two hours of their life. You know, I want to make sure that that two hours is exceeds their expectations beyond belief. Right. Yeah. So I always have a little bit of fear that we could lose power or something could happen um, to where that experience would be diminished for them a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I have to prepare everything on my end to make sure that, that, all those uh, factors taken out of the equation. Right. Right. So I, I really appreciate and totally agree with how you're looking at fear. You know, it's, uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, there's conflicting views going on right now, of course, you know, of, of, Oh, we don't need to be afraid. And then uh, there's the overwhelming, almost um, deafening sense of, of right. fear or uh, it's, it's like a heavy burden where it almost paralyzes one of us. You know, yeah. I, I think based on what you're sharing, you know, is, is having the sense of fear enough that you care, but mm -hmm. not to the point where it's overwhelming and it's not going to prevent you from, you know, going out and performing or doing whatever other task uh, that you need to be executing in your everyday life. Yeah. So, well, a friend of mine sent me something the other day. He said that Live Nation, the, I believe the number one live concert, uh, company put out and said that they are planning not to have events for six to 18 months. Now I didn't dive into the article. That was just the headline. And he sent that to me, I believe to get a reaction of, Oh shoot, what are we going to do now? You know, if live nation isn't going to do events for six to 18 months, what are we going to do? And I read that. And I thought, good, 
good. Again, not to, again, to be respectful of everything that's going on, but yeah. on the business side, when I see something as challenging as that, I know it just throws me into super drive to figure out something else. My mm -hmm. entire business has been, has been um, based on the idea of gathering people together. Yeah. Right. I need to still have income coming in. So pretty soon I'll start need, need to start thinking about other ways mm -hmm. to do that. If this doesn't sort of uh, clean up and even, you know, long-term pandemics are things that can happen all the time. I mean, at any time we can have this happen again. Mm -hmm. Now the good news is they've happened before they've been more deadly before. And we are at a time when the medicine is better than it's ever been. The technology, the communication is faster than it's ever been. There's no excuse, no reason why we shouldn't be able to have a vaccine for this quicker than we've ever had. Um, and if you really look at it from a big picture perspective is even though there's probably a million plus viruses out there, then any one of them could be worse than this. Humans are still here, right? We're, we're still kicking. It hasn't, yeah. it hasn't wiped us out yet. Yes, it's taken out, you know, millions of people, different viruses have, um, but big picture, we're still working. So yeah. Resilience, baby. <laughs> I'm not, that's why I'm not too worried about it. Right. Right. Right down, man. So, so Drew, uh, again, thank you so much for yeah. sharing all of this, man. Like, uh, again, you know, I want to acknowledge you for just your, your commitment to you, your work. And it's not even just your work in the sense of what you do as a professional, but your work as a human being, you know, uh, I, I, pre I appreciate your, your friendship and, and your brotherhood and, uh, your, your authenticity and, and your, and your commitment just to, again, grow and, and honestly look at things from a, a different perspective. So in, in closing, <laughs> in closing, uh, I like to ask everybody, so I didn't prepare you with this, because sure. uh, I like to have it organic, Throw me coming back full picture, right, yeah. exactly. So if you were to write the last chapter in your book, what would be the last sentence in closing, what would be the last sentence? Oh gosh, uh, the last sentence of the last chapter of Your my book. book. Yeah, my book is my book a biography? Is it a your choice? Okay. Yeah. Uh, probably similar to what I had said before about mm -hmm. convincing should be collaboration. You know, we sh we shouldn't be convincing. We should be collaborating. I I really do genuinely believe that because if you are bringing someone the perfect equal amount of value for your service or for your product, there should be no question that what you are asking for is exactly equal to what you're providing to them. See, I'm a big believer on the exchange of value. So, and a hundred dollars is a hundred dollars. That's an easy transaction, but is what I'm doing worth a hundred dollars is what I'm doing actually going to bring them a hundred dollars or more. If it can bring them more, that's even better. Um, that's, I would probably write it something like that. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Collaboration is, is definitely much more important than, than convincing, um, mm. somebody because none of us should be convincing anybody to do anything at all. So true. It should be, it should be their idea. We can sort of sway them and show them the benefits of that. Uh, and definitely, you know, go out there and hustle and present your ideas to people, but don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't convince. Mm. I mean, and, and you know that we've talked about things like that before. So you know what I'm interested in, you know what I'm not interested in. Right. You know? Right. And it's totally. trying to convince somebody to, to buy something or to do something is just going to push them further away because they're going to hear eight negatives, maybe one or two, they're going to work for them. But those eight negatives are going to stand out and that's going to push you away. So that's what I would convince people to do. Love it. Collaborate. Right on, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I see I, you caught that. I, 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 Yep. I picked up on it. I was just going <laughs> to let it go. <laughs> I knew what you meant. I, I was following along, man. Yeah. I was following along. Uh, so Drew Murray magic. Thank you, brother, for sharing all of your time, energy, and effort and your wisdom and your perspectives and your authenticity. So everybody listening right now, I'm sure would love to stay connected with you. Uh, what are a couple of ways that they could get in contact? Uh, yes, yeah, all the same. Drew Murray Magic on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. All that's the same. Uh, what else do you want to know? You want to know my... How about an, e how about an email? If an people email? still email every now and then. Yeah, they do email. I'll just, well, my website, it's easier. That's drewmurray.com. Nice. Yeah. 
Awesome, man. You can find me there. There we go. Sweet. Well, hey, brother, thanks so much again. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm looking forward to being able to attend again another live show uh, when that comes around. Yeah, we have some new stuff. Come do it. That'll be good. All right, man. Thanks so much. See you, buddy. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Chapter Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to our channel and turn on notifications so you are the first to hear the next episode. While you're at it, be sure to leave a comment sharing your biggest takeaway. For our appreciation, we'd love to gift you a free strategy session about how to develop your organization and grow your leadership. If you know somebody who is already making a massive impact in their organization, community, and career, feel free to nominate them at the link below. Before you go, let's stay connected. Go ahead and like our page, The Chapter Podcast on Facebook and join our group, Leaders Among Leaders. You can follow Vinny Dangerfield on Instagram at vdangerf or email him at vinnydangerfield at gmail.com for all of your coaching, speaking, and facilitation needs. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time at Chapter.